you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. There is not one single thing that has ever happened to you or will happen to you that will be wasted. Everything is there showing up to make you more of who you were meant to be. There's an old friend that I want to say Something that touched my heart And it began this way I was born by the river In a little tent Oh, just like the river I've been running Running ever since It's been a long a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh yes, it will. Um, that is Aretha Franklin's version of Sam Cooke's "A Change Is Gonna Come." Hey y'all, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I usually come to you all before this. Um. Uh, before this time of the month and I really I really uh, wanted to and I tried to sit down and 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 and, and try to have a conversation with you all uh, but it just didn't come to me you know it just didn't like like come to me and I try to I try to wait until I feel moved you know I just don't get on here and 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 try to talk just because or just because I want to give you all something uh thank you so much for listening always coming back regularly uh my name is uh the right reverend Richie X uh and I am the host here of Surviving Fundamentalism the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, mm, probably, nah, you will have a problem with this shit. Um, and I'm here. I'm queer and I'm in your listening ear. I'm also disabled. If this is your first time listening to this, I am uh, autistic. I uh, have autistic spectrum disorder. Uh, autism level one, formerly known as Asperger syndrome. Uh, I also have ADHD. Uh, I'm also a, a retired, if you will, clergy, but I believe I preach the gospel every now and again. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I come on here, as you all know, if you've been listening, I come on here and I... And I chit and chat and talk with you all. 
Um, you know, honestly, religion has been the furthest thing from my mind lately. You know, I, I don't, you know, live in a world where, you know, fundamentalism is, is, is constantly controlling my life. Um, you know, with all that I have experienced, um, all that I've gone through in my life, uh, going through the world undiagnosed, navigating the world as a person with autism who, uh, does not know that they have autism and therefore just stuck, (laughs) just trying to figure it out. You know, religion was something very painful for me in retrospect. At the time, it was a special interest, you know? Like I was, I was, you know, autistic people tend to have special interests. They tend to have these things that they, that they, uh, like stick to and they are, um, uh, and they're obsessed about it. Right. And so for me, it was religion was a big special interest. Uh, music was a big special interest still is. Um, and, um, You know, being in my room, reading my Bible, studying my Bible, defining things, searching the scriptures, um, really meditating, really fasting, really praying, really reflecting. Uh, The Bible says, think on these things, huh? Think on those things that are good, huh? Come on, somebody. In the book of Philippians, we thank him on today. Um, but, you know, I find that regularly I'm not really reflecting on religion. Occasionally I'll get the feeling that I want to go to church. <laughs> um, but that's rare, you know, maybe once every few months. Uh, today I realized that there was these uh, Maverick City uh, Kurt Franklin tickets on sale for $20 and um, I was going to go. And then I was like, why you don't like Maverick city? You only like Kirk. And I think the concert is like some combined concert. It's not like they open up for Kirk. I think, I, I don't know, but like from what I've seen, it seems like it's a little combined, but you know, I was like, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. Oh my goodness. But no, I, um, but even that, I was thinking about the environment I would be in, right? You know, wrapped up, surrounded by church people who still, you know, openly and honestly um, are Christian and reflecting on this moment in a very different way than I am. They're there to worship. I'm there for a show. You know what I mean? And and um, while I don't mind uh, worshiping along with, uh, you know, practicing believing Christians, I, I don't know. I just have to be in a mood for it. 
you know. And speaking of practicing believing Christians, I have a friend who I don't know why people do this, but I guess it's just their experience. Um, but I've noticed that like people as they age or they hit a certain point in life, some people post pandemic. If you go back um a lot of episodes of you if you've listened up till now you've heard me talk about my predictions about the evangelical church and the ways in which they're using the state of the world of course as a tool of evangelism why wouldn't you this is prime this is ripe prime you know the harvest is rich <laughs> like literally if I was still evangelizing to the people, I could probably grow a church from 20 to 100 right now. I was good. I was good. Um, you know, and the way I used to teach them Bible studies and get folks in the water, get them baptized and, um, you know, bring them to the church. I was I was good. I was good. And so I, you know, I, the harvest is rich. This thing is ready. Okay. There are people all over the world right now that are suffering, that have come out of years of loneliness and pain and sadness. All you got to do is door knock, honey, go knock on them doors, come in there and pray for people, feed people, clothe people. Child, get you be get you a five hundred one c three and open the doors of that church and get into some charity work. Be the hands and feet of Jesus, Amen. Uh, and so, you know, you'll draw many people in in those ways. But the harvest is plenteous, you know. And um, You know, if I, if I was still that way, I would be definitely doing that. But I have a friend, the reason I brought this up is because I have a friend who is in her 30s who just decided to convert and, like, start going to church regularly. And she asked me, hey, do you have any instructions for reading the Bible? Don't. I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, you know, like, I'm so far past that point in my life, you know, that I be, you know, that I, that I think I'm no longer afraid. Cause I know, I know that not everybody's going to get involved in a cult. Not everybody's going to go through what I went through, but I do like, you know, kind of side eye when people are choosing to go into religion as adults. Like, I didn't come to this as an adult. I came to that as a child. A disabled child, and my brain was blank, and it was fed and filled with everything, everything. And so, and I always say, if I had the choice if I was grown in, in this body and and, and, and and making my own decisions, I wouldn't walk into a church house. I would stay far, far, far away from the church. So when I have friends who are signing up 
to go to churches and joining churches and getting saved and getting baptized at, you know, they're making a choice to go into this. Um, you know, everybody's journey is different and people have got to go through what they've got to go through. They got to do what they, they, they feel they need to do. Sometimes people need a grounding. You know, I've talked before about community and, um, the way, uh, Sometimes I miss that community. I miss the community. I miss the the ritual. I miss I miss the communication, the community. I miss you know being in the same place with all the same people multiple times a week. I miss the the dopamine levels in the service. I miss the music. I miss singing regularly in that way, in that style. You know as a worship leader, um, I, I miss a lot of those things. So people finding community in those ways, like that's lit. That's lit. See, I feel like I could be a part of a community. Um, like if I, if I found an affirming community with people who look like me, um, and I liked the work that they were doing. I wouldn't sign up and go full spring like I used to do. Um, but I definitely feel like I would be involved. Probably join something low key like the cleaning ministry, <laughs> you know, or the cooking ministry or something like that, where I don't got to really be too, you know, overstimulated and overwhelmed by dealing with people. Um, but yeah, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with finding community. And she has children and she is a divorcee. And so she, you know, after her divorce, she kind of found this place and she's been going and her daughter sings. Her daughter likes singing in the choir and, you know, they're enjoying themselves. And, you know, when she asked me, do you have any reading suggestions? Do you have any suggestions for the Bible? And I, or... I'm like, girl, I'm like the wrong person. Like, yeah, I know about a lot of churchy stuff. And, you know, I'm churched, churched to the core. But I also don't want to dissuade you from where you are in your journey. I don't want to make your journey harder for you. Your journey is personal and it should be your own. I don't know where to tell you to start. Because I honestly would not tell you to read read it anyway. It's incredibly confusing to read without assistance. It's already incredibly confusing to come into an environment like that, you know, like the church, right? It's already a lot going on and you don't know anything about it. It's a lot going on, a lot throwing at you and a lot you feel like you don't know and a lot you feel like you need to catch up on. And so, you know, I just, I wonder, you know, what that is going to be like for her, but no, honey, I don't have no suggestions. <laughs> I don't have no suggestions on what you should be reading, what you should be listening to, um, I do have suggestions, but are you ready for my suggestions? Are you ready to read John Shelby Spong? 
biblical literalism a Gentile heresy? Because I got the books for you, baby. I could actually send them to you in the mail if you're ready. But you know, you you I, I don't, you gonna start de- deconstructing before you even start constructing. You know what I mean? And maybe that might be for the best, but I can't say that. You know what I mean? I can't full um, full spring say it's gonna be uh, ineffective and it's gonna be a dark place for you, just as it was for me. And you don't need to be there. And I can't say that. Because I don't know that to be true. I don't know what her life is going to be like. I don't know. She might just find simple community and ritual in church. She she prays. She reads her Bible. She, her children have a community. She has a community. Boom. That's it and that's all. You know, she might find that she might find grace in that, right? You know, and 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 not because everybody doesn't have the experience I have. You know, I talked about this a couple of weeks back. You know, I had a very treacherous experience, but not everybody has that experience. I've met Christians, believers who are queer, who have deconstructed, but they are still connected to their faith um in ways that are much more intimate than I than I am so you know that's that's you know what's going on or whatever um now we're going to move on to our clip of the week Thank you all for sitting through my ranting and raving, you know. What if I told you that serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer became a Christian while he was in prison and went to heaven when he died? Is Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven? If it offends you that Jeffrey Dahmer professed his faith in Jesus Christ, maybe you don't realize how big of a sinner you are as well. Sin is sin. A lie is just as much of a sin as murder. Lies after murdering 18 people, Jeffrey Dahmer's in heaven right now. Absolutely. This has always been something that I could never make sense of, and of course it became more difficult to make sense of it as I got older. The justice of God is taught by white evangelicalism. Jeffrey Dahmer accepting Christ after unaliving 18 mostly black people and getting into heaven, while I could burn in hell for eternity if I told a lie or believed in a different religion. It is a question of theodicy, which is the kind of theology that questions, interrogates, defends the goodness and justice of God in the face of the existence of evil. Is that justice? And is my reward for the belief in the God of white evangelicalism sharing space in eternity with the likes of a man who murdered and consumed black bodies for pleasure? And if this is the case, will I also be sharing space in eternity with the white Christians who for decades lynched, crucified black bodies on Saturday and went to church on Sunday? And if this is who we're being taught that God is, if this is what we're being taught that divine justice looks like, it makes me wonder, in the words of professor, activist, and pastor Naomi Washington Leaphart, do black lives matter to God? Hmm. Come on, somebody. Do black lives matter to God? Um, I just felt like that was so fucking loaded and deep, man. Mm. 
I find myself uh, being deeply moved. And everything in me says, cut this out. <laughs> Make sure you edit this out. But I'm emotional. I've never thought about before recent times when I was growing up, when I was so active in church. I never thought about my blackness in terms of the gospel or God. You know, uh, I had enough shit trying to understand the world. I thought of blackness as who I was outside of the church. I did not understand the connection to my blackness, my Africanness, and its 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 uh, connection to the way that we worshipped or anything. I was just really just focusing on getting it down. Whatever these people were telling me that I needed to do. And, uh, you know, having, I had a, a mother who was in the uh, 5% nation of gods and earths and then later became Sunni Muslim. Uh, I grew up around a lot of a nation of Islam people. I, um, you know, I grew up very knowledgeable and aware of blackness and black empowerment and, 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 and what that meant. Um, but the church, I think, became a safe space for me to really escape everything that I was outside of its doors. In church, I wasn't black. In church, I was a man of God. You know, in, in church, I didn't have to worry about my blackness or what all of that meant. Most of the people in the church looked like me until later on in life when I went to a white Christian Bible college which was an experience all its own introducing me to whiteness. Baby, you want to be introduced to whiteness and move to the middle, the, um, uh, the Midwest. Okay. Move to the Midwest and you, and, and you will see. Okay. You want to be exposed to whiteness. <laughs> you move your ass to a little town in the Midwest and, 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 and you'll, you will be exposed to so much. I mean, now, especially, but in 2006, you know, a lot of things were hidden. You know, Barack Obama had not yet been in office because, you know, that's what really unearthed a lot of uh, white supremacy's undercover issues. All the things that they had lied to us that had been and said that had been pushed under the rug. All of the things that um, they told us no longer existed. In 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 my Pentecostal church, I was told that 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 God's will for me was to get married, start a family, and be in ministry. 
and evangelize and get people to church and get people baptized. And that was my goal. And that was what I was supposed to give my all in all to. And anything outside of that did not matter as much as giving my all to the institution. Didn't matter if I didn't have no money, get married anyway. <laughs> didn't matter if I ain't had nowhere to put her, get married anyway. Um, you know, but but in church, in 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 church, I realized this. I was not black in church, not until like I said, till I went to a white church, in a white Bible college, and they were still Pentecostal, but they were white. And there's something about uh, white people who appropriate uh, African spiritual culture um, in their churches. Uh, they are just as racist as the most racist people you've ever seen in this country. They just speak in tongues and have done really no work to process or undo or untangle what they have hidden behind religion. Because as I've talked about here before, white supremacy um, has its own goals, its own intentions, and its own desires, capitalism as well. Uh, the white supremacist capitalist male patriarchy has its own desires of what it's doing and what it continues to do with religion. And that's supposed to work on all fronts. And it does a good job at that because it's supposed to maintain the white supremacist capitalist male patriarchy. Right, it's supposed to maintain the hierarchy um, of male over female, man as the head of the household, man as a reflection of God, and it is supposed to brainwash the poor. You know, Marx says religion is the opiate of the masses; it is the sigh of the oppressed. Those who are the most oppressed need something to believe in. And there is, and, and that is, 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 is the threat of boogeyman, whatever it is, there's always a boogeyman. If it's not the Negroes, it's the Mexicans. If it's not the Mexicans, it's the Russians. If it's not the Russians, it's the Arabs. It, it, there always has to be a boogeyman to maintain hiding in the closet, hiding under the bed, assisting in the maintenance of white supremacist capitalist male patriarchy. Because what else are you running from as a poor white person? Or what are you running towards? What do you know? These people that stormed the Capitol prayed some spoke in tongues some sang some worshiped the lord some joined together and said if two or three be gathered in his name i'll be in the midst come on somebody and then took a shit in nancy pelosi's office 
You know, and I don't too much give a a, a, a flying fuck about a lot of them crooked people in Washington because they ain't doing no goddamn work anyway. That's why I ain't there. Um, but very interesting. Very interesting. It has a goal. Religion has a goal. All of this. Do you realize a lot of this stuff um, is continuing the goal? It's continuing the motive. Like we're in some kind of matrix. It's funny because people who aren't even religious have bought into a lot of The, the 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 toxic white supremacist patriarchal homophobic transphobic ideology these these ideas that are planted and the, and, and the church plays a major role in planting and spreading a lot of this but the world has bought into it too Anti-blackness, anti-woman, anti-transness, anti—you uh, um, know—sexual liberation. All of those things kind of go in hand, kind of go hand in hand with the goals of white supremacy, because it—it's—it's it's going in a cycle, right? It's going in a circle. None of us were meant to be common. We were born to be comets, darting across space and time, leaving our mark as we crash into everything. A crater is a reminder that something amazing happened right here. We all think that the gospel is join a church building, and, and that's deception, you know? The real gospel is repent, which means let go of all that crap that's killing you. Life was supposed to be a, a pleasurable experience, not this, uh, this torment. You know. I want to go back to the video, though, um, when he talks about the justice of God, right? Always finding that very, 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 very interesting, right? Like somebody... I'm not a really big proponent of grace, right? Like to an extent, right? And like, and when I say that, you know, I have a lot of conversations on my other podcast that I do, which is more of a pop culture music-based podcast. Um, and it's called the Underdogs on Top podcast. And so in that podcast, often we talk about pop culture. And many times I, I try to be like a voice of reason, um, because I do understand that first people will hail you and then they will nail you. Right. Um, and so I do try to think about often, right. In this society, in this world that we live in, um, I want to say this as a sidebar, Jeffrey Dahmer is no different than his ancestors. Which, 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 uh, uh, Donnell actually kind of leads to that, right? He, he talks about, am I going to be forced to be in the same heaven as all of the evil, vile, 
white people who enslaved and beat and raped uh, my ancestors. And, you know, when he essentially says, does, do, do black lives matter to God, right? And so, but Jeffrey Dahmer is, 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 is following in the footsteps of his ancestors. White people in this very country, in this very soil, ate black people. Black people were considered a delicacy among certain groups of white people in this country. Ate us. Absolutely, they ate us. They not only ate us, they used our body parts, our hair, our teeth. They pulled Negro teeth and made them into dentures. They used our hair to stuff furniture. They ate our, uh, our skin, our muscles, our tissue, They covered themselves in our blood. They tortured us day in and day out. They slaughtered, cut open the wounds of black women who hung on the tree and watched the fetus fall out and stomp the fetus to death. This is America, the beautiful. It's sick. It always has been, and it always will be. And in that world, you know, I compartmentalize these things now, but in the world of religion, Jeffrey Dahmer has to be exonerated, right? Of course. Of course. He has to be set free, right? Because the 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 murderer on the cross next to Jesus was set free. Mm, come on, somebody. He's got to be free. Because if Jeffrey Dahmer can't be freed and forgiven then none of them can. The people who beat, raped, and pillaged people, the people who killed millions of Native American people and still continue to torture them today. If Jeffrey don't face it, they ain't got to face it. And you know, I've said this before, you know, I don't believe um, many of these, I don't believe many of these people even really have any real spirituality, any real connection to anything outside of themselves. Because why does your God and your religion Yield you to this selfish, nasty, insane, patriarchal, falsely patriotic, 
bullshit. If they were connected to anything outside of themselves, if the concept of a man named Jesus who said, bring all of them to me, I will sit and eat with you, bring the worst of the worst and worst, and I will sit and dine with you. Where he said they took all that they have, they put it in the pot and they gave it to those who had need in the church. The one who is said to have given his doctrine to the apostles. And in Acts, the second chapter, the Bible says, and they couldn't, and the people who had come to salvation that day continued in the apostles' doctrine, breaking bread from house to house. These people can't have a connection to that. They can't. What? How can you claim you know a God and you believe like this? Because if I've ever met love, if I've ever known love at the core of my being, if I've ever known grace, if I've ever needed grace, Come on, somebody. If I've ever needed love, I have and received it, then I've received God. And we all have needed grace and we all have needed love. And when we have received it, we have received of God. So how can you say you love God and you do not love the person next to you. How can you say you love a God when you don't even love your motherfucking self? How can you say that you know a God, that you convene with the divine and be purely evil I'll tell you why. There's a complete lack of consciousness. There's a complete lack of awareness. There's a complete lack of care. Because you don't look like me. Because you are a boogeyman. Because you are an other. I don't have to care about you. You are alien to the space that we have created and deemed American. And therefore, I don't have to take care of you. I don't care what scripture you quote from the Old Testament. I don't have to do anything for you, with you, think about you, pray for you, go to church with you, be around you, mix my kids with yours. I don't have to do it. So, you know, continuously we're having a conversation and, and the way he, he, he ends, you know, so, so, so back to Dahmer, right? Dahmer, you know, you know, he says, I, you know, Donnell talks about how he, how he wrestled with this idea. I never wrestled with the idea because I, I was fully engulfed in biblical literalism. I didn't start wrestling with these ideas of, 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 of theodicy and the justice of God 
I didn't start wrestling with it until much later in life until I learned how to critically think. But pre-critically thinking, pre-thinking pre, uh, critically, I, 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 I didn't really question it. All these people in the scripture are fucked up. And God somehow chose those fucked up ass people to be leaders. Including the concept of that God, right? Seems to be thwarted, seems to be weird. So the God is weird. So how would the people not be weird? Didn't, 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 didn't the God kill millions? Hundreds of thousands, more time over. Didn't God give the people power to slaughter people in his name, children and, and women and save the virgins so they can fuck them? Do y'all not know this same God? What's going on? Because why is anybody surprised that Jeffrey Dahmer has repented and is in heaven with the God who has a lot of the same habits? Scriptures about consuming you, eating you up. Sending plagues to wash out and wipe out the people. Why would why wouldn't he be in heaven? He said the sinner's prayer. He came humbly, humble as humble as he knows how. Knee bent and body bowed cried before the Lord and why wouldn't the God who has done so many of the same things forgive a man that's just like him I feel sad even saying that out loud right because I feel like I'm 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 I'm, I'm talking against someone who used to be a friend for so many years. I feel like I'm talking about a friend, an old friend, who I'm no longer friends with because I realized that they were narcissistic. And if I wanted to live, I'd have to, I'd have to leave. But I don't think it hurts any less. Because I think you go through this forever when, when God is your special interest. When you loved it more than anything. When I was a child, I felt like I was the worst thing in the world. I was being raised as a black boy in an inner city in the crack epidemic with behavior problems, with a neurodivergent mind, autistic, ADHD, PTSD. I felt invisible. I was abused terribly 
in institutions, in the schools that I was in. I was abused by peers and teachers and adults. They had a field day with me because I was different. And I had no explanation for why I was the way I was. And I heard them singing in the church house. And like Sugar Avery, I walked in with all of my stuff. And it saved me. The institution saved me from the streets. It saved me. I was a latchkey kid. I was alone a lot. And the church gave me community where I had none. And I gave all I had to the church. And it gave me, in return, community, after school activities, a place to use my voice to sing, to preach. But I was still different. And the abuse went from the schoolhouse to the church house. The bullying followed me. And people didn't understand me and I didn't understand me and I didn't know how to make them understand me. And so I realized that instead of trying to be understood, that I was going to use everything in my in me to watch other people and mirror their behaviors back to them because that was the only acceptable behavior was to mirror it back. But I, I here I am in this space. I have community. I'm singing. And although I'm not liked by the people that were my peers, I was always weird to people who were my age. Because what happens oftentimes with kids who have Asperger's because they don't fit in with with children, they often end up spending a lot of time with older people. And that was me. And I spent a lot of time with older people and kids didn't understand me, but I had to to watch and mirror these people back to them. So when I say I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm talking about an old friend, I spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time on my floor, on my face, laying before this God. 
And you know what they told me about this guy? They told me this guy was good no matter what. Didn't matter what he had done. He was still good. That I shouldn't question it. That I shouldn't challenge it. That I should just do what I was supposed to do and not cause an uproar. And I learned very quickly that you don't get anywhere asking questions. You just have to do what they do and, and, and hope for the best. Hope that you are good enough of an actor to act it out because asking too many questions, they're going to put you out. And this is the only place where you can go, where you at least feel like you mostly belong. But the more that I stayed in the institution, the older I got, the more that I got to know myself. And I started to realize that I had these things. You know, I think I talked about on some episodes ago about Donnie McClurkin. And um, how I went to see him at Hezekiah Walker's church. And that was the first time I had ever heard anybody violently preach against homophobia I mean homosexuality and um it stunned me but it must be true because it you know he said it in church and and everybody went berserk and hallelujah everybody started praising God because he started calling out homosexuality and he must be true it must be true it must be nasty it must be filthy I must be like really broken. And then as I started to go on in life, the deeper that I ended up going into Pentecostalism, the worse it got for me. And I found that my self-hate grew and I found that every time I turned to the scripture for strength, I often found nothing. but the justice of God and shame and how all, and how much of it you know applied to me and all that I had ever done and all that I was and I was completely and fully broken and there was no space for me in it so I've said all that to say you know to come to this one question does my black disabled life matter to God? I don't know that I care enough for an answer. I don't know that I need it to. Hallelujah at this point in my life. I don't need that version of a God. I don't need that at all. Because I walk in God when I give grace to myself and to others. I walk in God when I show love to myself 
and then to others. When I do not abuse myself, when I do not shame myself, when I don't use neurotypical people's words against my neurodivergent self, when I'm struggling with the basic things in life, I don't shame myself. I don't shame other people. I strive to walk in grace. I strive to walk in grace because to know grace, to know love, to know peace is to know God. And how do you have peace with the folks around you? You walk in love. You walk in grace. You continue to show love and grace to yourself first and then to others. Love your neighbor as yourself. The extension of the love of God. For the scripture says, the first commandment is this. Love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, all thy soul, all thy strength. For this is the first commandment. The second is likened unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The love of God is a reflection from the inside of you on to the people you interact with. So that's how I experience God, being in connection with the people that I love. It's like being in prayer. Having good communication, eating good food, continuing steadfastly. Come on, somebody. In the Apostles' Doctrine, fellowshipping, breaking bread from house to house. Building community, having good conversation, giving thanks for all that is good, loving on one another. I say you've got some good religion. That's good news. This has been Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you're most likely, probably, ah, you will have a problem with this shit I am the right Reverend Richie X and I thank you so much for listening so long farewell to you my friend thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will 
be back next week.